What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, behave! All right. Recording this podcast on a Tuesday. Uh, already been an eventful week. AB is back. We think. He got off his plane. He's uh, he's there. Not practicing. And I, I just saw Gruden Tafer just tweeted. Doesn't exactly know when he'll be available. But he's at least in the corridor. You know, he's, he's in the... Uh, in the, you know, 500-foot radius, a little more than that, of the actual team. He's around the team again, you know, because this thing called training camp's going. So they're, they're all, you know, all these NFL players, 90 of them all over the league are all together. Yeah. Well, no, uh, uh, Zeke's not with his team. Well, yeah, the holdout guys are oh. in Mexico or Clowney. I, I don't know where Clowney is, but I don't even know where Melvin Gordon is. But the non-holdout guys... Are with their team, and it turns out AB little week off. You remember when LeBron was it Blatt's first year? He's like, "Fuck it, I'm out for two weeks," and just left. And he went to like work out with uh, Dwayne Wade. And people were like, "This is absurd." He's on the team. He just left, and they couldn't do shit. That's a li- it's a little different because I don't know if he just would have left if he didn't burn off his feet, but he still did burn off his feet, and then he took off. Yeah, flew the coop. Flew the coop. <laughs> This podcast, support for this podcast comes from you when you support our sponsors like Manscaped, the number one product in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Well, guy, I know this. I've been using the Lawn Mower 2.0, and it's fantastic. I'm going to... You hear that right there? Oh, yeah. It's quiet. It's slick. Neighbors don't know what you're up to? No, they have no clue. We've all, you know, I think most men can relate. You you have some war wounds. I've nicked a few times. And this thing, I went to town with the the lawnmower 2.0 guy. No nicks, no cuts. 
I've recommended it to everybody. I got families, friends, people on the podcast, people on social. Buy this product. Use promo code HAM. And guy, you don't get $20 off. You get 20% off. How about that? I, I po- You posted the picture of all the gear that we got from Manscaped. How'd you, how'd you like that? I felt like a little uh, it interior was decorator. It looked, it looked really good. And then I, I re- reposted that in my story, and I got a DM from uh, our friend Larry Brown who said, you mean Haber Manscaped? Like, that is... Now that is branding. Get 20% off free shipping with the code HAM at manscaped.com. They also have the crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Uh, Why aren't you putting deodorant down there? I I do. I want to smell good. Right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping with the code HAM. What's the saying, guy? Look good. Manscape good, smell good, podcast good. Feel good, play good. Yep. Also Talk feel good. good at ease, John. Ease, E A Z E. Ease.com or easewellness.com in the promo code ham. God, I, I'm a big believer in our, our good friends at ease.com, cannabis delivery. Also, our other good friends. I think they're, you know, they're not competitors. I mean, they're, they're together. Uh, ease wellness they just have different products and it's all encompassing here cbd you like cbd you like thc we got something for everyone you don't even need to live in the state of california to get your ease wellness so if you like cbd they deliver all over the country they're amazon of cbd they will deliver it to your house you like just your thc you know depends where you live mainly california based like uber eats of weed they deliver it to your house ease.com promo code ham vapes pre-rolls Topicals, you name it, they got it all on both sites. God, Ease is just incredible. I mean, they dominated outside lands. Did you see Childish Gambino? I guess was unreal. That's what he I just heard. Bl- blew the place away. I, I read Twitter, dominated, and I would imagine a lot of people in, are so fired up on it because they probably went to Grasslands, inside outside lands, had a good time. I had some people <laughs> taking pictures of Grasslands. It was like. Uh, you know how when you're in grade school and you eat lunch and you have a bunch of tables right next to each other, like those uh, the tables that seat like six people on each mm-hmm. side, just tables like that. Then between each table were ashtrays, and it was just that's how it was set up inside Grasslands. Like okay, you guys are geniuses. I had uh, somebody who went who was in an outside lands vet told me that this was the first time she didn't drink really. She just went to Grasslands, bought a bunch of stuff. She said. Got a little lost just wandering around the festival, but the best part was woke up Sunday morning feeling amazing. No hangover. Feeling amazing. Said, I, I should have done this years ago in Grasslands. Uh, ease, big part of that. Made it happen. So good yep. job, Ease. And thanks ease. for all the support. Ease.com, easewellness.com, promo code HAM, guy. Tell promo your friends. Tell your friends. I, I think uh, maybe AB should get on some of that CBD topical and put it on his feet. I don't, something, man. I. So where do we start with this guy? The fact he, I'll, I'll tell you, I was fired up earlier, John, when we were talking about this. The fact that it's a story, when I saw the alert today on my phone, Antonio Brown returning to practice. But it doesn't mean he's returning to the practice field. It just means he's coming back to hang out with his team. And as we talked about in the last podcast, I don't give two shits about his helmet drama. Didn't care then. Don't care now. Didn't think he was ever going to miss a game. And I think in about a short amount of time, we've determined that he's not going to miss any games because of that. Well, but, you know, but Sorry. I, I was going to say, but 
the thing that also, the flip side of that is everyone today going, see, it's no big deal. He's around. It's fine. Everyone was making something out of nothing. It's like, no, this is unnecessary drama. Unnecessary drama that, um, like I said on the last pod, is this the last thing that happens this year that becomes a topic? Well, I'm going to dive deep. We got some good shit going on right now at Raider practice. And I think we can talk about it right after right after I say this. That one of the things to me, like he just left on his own and was gone for a while. Now I get people need second opinion, so you leave. Well, then today I checked the the Raiders practice usually starts at like eight forty five, nine o'clock. He was getting off his private jet today at like ten. So he didn't he didn't build his schedule around like I, I got to make sure I make the morning meetings. He's on his own time. Now I've defended him in the sense that. He's an elite player, and they knew what they were signing up for. But this kind of got out of control. Now, I guess Gruden said that he expects him to play in the opening game, week one. Rosenhaus has made a cameo at Raiders practice. Here's Vic Tafer. Agent Drew Rosenhaus said Brown needed laser treatment on his feet. Rosenhaus said the feet were always a bigger deal than the helmet. He is back today because his off-site treatment is over. Brown has found some old, not as old helmets to his likings and will try to get those approved by the league. The wheels are turning. Rosenhaus said he can't reveal details of how Brown's feet got burned because there might be some legal action. Okay. My, my, my issue with this, if I'm going to say it was pretty random that his feet got fucked up, I do not think that An- Antonio wanted to fuck up his feet. I, we all can agree there. Yep. It was, and where Gruden said... It was, I don't know the word he used, not innocent, but it wasn't his fault. And I, I would agree there. Like, he didn't he didn't go into the treatment to mess up his feet. It was an accident. Now, you could say he probably could have prevented the accident. I don't know the details. No one really does except, like, 10 people. Here's the thing that does bother me, what I just said. Like, bro, are, are you part of this team? Or are you, like, an NBA player just going to do all your own shit? And just kind of beat to your own drum? Because to me, practice starts, even if you can't practice... Well, couldn't you have shown up yesterday? Could you have shown up last night and been there for the morning meetings and then gone out to practice like all the other hurt guys? Or are you just in your own little world? Because this feat to me, where I'm defending him on the feet, where weird shit happens to guys, and I think all if you look all over the league, certain guys are on pup for injuries, whatever. Like, you know what Jarek McKinnon, and I'm not saying, I, I don't even like Jarek McKinnon as a, as a player. So I'm not trying to act like they're equals or anything. But you know what Jarek McKinnon does during his knee injury and his swelling? He's just around the team. Just around the team. This guy just takes off. Who's to say that he wouldn't take off again? Do you think it's a little weird that he showed up just today in the middle of the day when he had yesterday as an off day, like could have shown up and been there the whole day? Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, this is the only direct flight he could get on United? No, guy, he's on a private jet. Exactly. Maybe the maybe the pilot had timed out, needed a certain amount of rest, had flown too much yesterday. Now, if you told me that last night he was getting laser treatment or this morning, I would understand, but I doubt it. I, I think that he was just going to show up when he wanted to show up, and that's. that's I'm glad the there's going to be a Brown. lawsuit. I look forward to the uh, hearing. But the Antonio Brown experience is just—he's just going to do what he wants to do, and this is where I get back to defending Derek. And it'll be fascinating on Hard Knocks, because as of we're recording, it's a little later tonight. Uh, probably one of the more anticipated episodes ever. I'm not Be sure ready how for much... the letdown, Middlecoff. Well, I mean, do you think the we'll get much anticipated Antonio? episode since you anticipated last week's episode? 
You don't think it's the most anticipated episode ever? I'm not arguing. I'm just laughing that last week you were all fired up for it and then you got really mad and disappointed. So I'm just waiting for that. Well, because you think that they... I think I agree with your premise. Yes, this is a highly anticipated episode. Yes. Would you expect them to be light on the AB stuff? No. I'll be really disappointed if they're... Don't talk. Don't address AB. I, I don't, that'll be I, but, a failure. I'll be with you on the criticism of them if they don't address it this time. Especially when, when you say don't address, was, or do you mean like attack? You know, like not. I'm not like go after him, but well, just like just, attack the story. Yeah, is there footage? They said there was a camera crew with them. We know where he was. There's a camera crew with him. Great. Well, then I look forward to that footage. Well, what about just the the coaches also talking about it and just it should be a part of this episode. Now, yeah, I don't he, know how much the coaches are. To, I don't know that part. I don't. That I don't know. Like, I've given up on getting sensitive conversations between people on Hard Knocks. Like, I would agree. That's fair. That's not, we, we shouldn't expect that anymore. They've proven that they don't do that anymore. So yeah. I get it. But, but didn't you say, who said last week, there's a camera crew with them. We know where he is. Yeah, they, they, that's what I've been told. So, all right, let's, let's see. It's, it's on now. I will be very, like, this to me episode has a chance to be special. It really does because they did a joint practice with McVeigh and they had the AB story. It doesn't get any better. If I get 30 minutes of Jonathan Abram fucking talking, I, I'm going to throw my remote, not through my TV because I don't want to buy a new TV, maybe th- at the wall though. I, I will be very furious if it's honestly, even if you don't give me that much AB, did you see the teaser they put out this morning? It actually looks pretty good. I like didn't Gruden click and on McVay. It, yeah. You, you can ride Gruden and McVeigh. I'm good with that. But give me a, no more Jonathan Abram. I don't want any more Jonathan. I can't take it. Thank you. Just give me Gruden, McVeigh, and a little AB in his feet. Uh, but what did you think about him offering a side helmet, the new helmet, the Buffy one that he doesn't like, for an old school helmet that's, sl- that's slimmer that he wants? That was his barter. Weak trade, John. That is a weak trade. Where would you rank that relative to Cam offering the guy fifteen hundred dollars for a seat on a on a ten hour flight to France? Uh at least fifteen hundred dollars is money. Well, he could argue like my helmet sign probably worth a thousand bucks or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't I, know. Yeah, I'm just saying, at least fifteen thousand dollars is cash. Like to me, this is an easy one to go over the top. I'll give you five grand and a signed helmet and a photo, and you can come to a practice. Like. Go over the top with it. Now, Cam lowballed the guy at $1,500 for an 11-hour flight, but at least it was money. Like, what if, if Cam had offered the guy a signed hat? Like, how ridiculous would that have been? Now, you could argue that seat is more valuable than a shut air agitator or whatever that helmet's called. Like, that seat going to France might be worth $1,200, right? Yeah, or more. Yeah. It might be it worth might a lot be, more. Might, he might have lost money in the transaction. It's like, not probably even worth either. more. Yeah, probably is. But, uh, yeah, a signed helmet is, that's... Now, what would be a fair transaction if I had the helmet, and let's say I lived in, in Marin, and I got in contact with the Raiders, and I said, I have a helmet that he would want. Because I saw some people tweeting. Like, they had a lot of people that just buy Raider helmets. A lot of them were, within the last 10 years, are the type that he likes. They're a little slimmer. but the, And they fit the, the league's requirement for safety. Well, one see, of now the that's... issues, I, I learned this, I didn't know it, his helmet, the biggest issue with the helmet that he wanted, it was from like 2008. It was really, it wasn't like. It's from his rookie year. He wore it his rookie year, right? Has he been wearing it? Or 2010. Yeah. I thought he was arguing over something that he was wearing like the last several years, which he was, but I decided it was a newer helmet. It was a really old, old helmet. Like before. It's like a car that can't get smogged. 
I remember his rookie year was my my first year in the rookie NFL. Year? I don't I don't remember CTE being talked about that much, right? CTE yeah, kind of yeah, hit the scene about either. 13, yeah. 14, 15. Yeah. Because what was Will Smith's line? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Yeah, so that, that came about 2014, 15. So I, I, I understand where Ant- – I've defended Antonio on the helmet in the sense that he's comfortable with it. I get it. Uh, but it's an issue like he's made an issue much bigger than anyone else has made the same issue where everyone probably has the same problem. Well, yeah, I mean, part of it to me is just how all this stuff gets communicated, right? Like we don't hear anything from him. It's all like third party. He's threatened to quit. Like what? Like Tom Brady, it's like an Instagram post. Here's me with my new helmet. But but I think it's pretty clear that, yeah, <laughs> that his big beef with the helmet was it was big and he can't see. Like that's that's a fact well like why isn't Hopkins screaming about it can't see or where's Devante bitching about it like Amari uh I don't I don't quite feel comfortable putting Amari in that group but Julio you know like they're just playing with the new helmet well did nobody know he could just find a five-year-old version of this helmet until yesterday how did that this why did that take a week to figure out because when you're dealing with Antonio Brown, everything is 10 times bigger deal than it actually is. Like when you're dealing with a little kid, when you're dealing with a diva, this is, he's the ultimate diva guy. He is, to me, he's like that, the mute, the musician that is just a pain in everyone's ass. But for the last six years, he's been worth the pain in that ass. Not literally in an ass, but like in your, you know, you get, you follow what I'm saying. That, yeah, I'm familiar the, with the phrase. The, the moment, the guy, the moment he starts going like 75, 900 instead of 110, 1,200, and, and 12, and that 12 touchdowns turns to like six, you start going, I can't take it, right? You can take it right now because of the pedestal he's on, which he's earned. But he, his, his slowdown of his career when it's like clear he's not the elite guy anymore, but he's still a good player. Like his second half is gonna be pretty ugly because he's his personality's not gonna change, right? If anything, he will be more have more self belief in what he thinks because it will be even richer. He'll have been more accomplished. It's going to be ugly. Like is 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 he on five different teams, five different years? Like To, like I feel like he'll just be out of the league. Like, the moment he's a 60-catch guy, people ain't going to fuck with him. Like, I don't know if people would mess with T.O. now. People were more inclined to do that, like, 10 years ago. I think things have dramatically changed. Just look, like, Dez out. Guys just get out of the league. Yeah. Even, like, Carmelo. Like, people just, they, they don't have the energy anymore because I also think social media makes it 10 times worse and it wears teams out. Like, yesterday. I, so, well, there was that. Okay. Something happened yesterday at Eagles practice. I don't know if you saw this. I just saw it on Twitter. Andre Dillard got into a fight with Derek Barnett, like the, their first rounder from a couple years ago. Uh-huh. And it was a little over the top, I guess. Like Howie and Doug went over to him and were like, bro, it was supposed to be like a walkthrough practice. And I guess it was Dillard's fault. But Dillard's like competing. Like, we like you competing, but you just got to calm down. And then after, before this could have blown out, Jason Peters grabs him as he's like walking off the field. And he screams at Barnett, and he makes him shake hands right on the field. He's like, we're not, this isn't going to become, this is stupid. We're not, this isn't going to become a thing. Because all the reporters were just, well, they all watched it. So it was going to become a thing. And it just ended kind of right there. And Peter's like, yeah, I just forced him to shake hands, we're moving on. 
It's not that big a deal. But like with Antonio Brown, it never gets squashed. It just, things just go. And that's, it's different with Dillard. But my point is that good teams are good at just kind of attempting to squash it. The Raiders didn't really attempt to squash anything. Now, granted, I don't know really what they could have done. But with Antonio, things just don't end. Like, I, have we seen the last of this helmet gate? I don't know. Doesn't uh, Chris Peterson, if they fight, I think he makes them circle, do a lap around the field holding hands? The two players that fight? Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, so, so you asked the question, that's, though. That's fucking excellent, actually. Yeah, that's good. I don't think he's the only one that does it. But You asked the question, what's a good, I said like $5,000, come to practice, signed helmet and a photo. But if a bunch of people are finding their helmets, then you don't have as much leverage as the person with the helmet to sell off the helmet. Now, if I may be, I treat all the people offering me helmets like I do milk at the grocery store. I don't care which one's in front. I dig around until I find the one that has the expiration date that's the furthest out. Um, like, you want the newest possible helmet you can get. You don't want one that's eight years old because you're going to have to go through this again in two years, right? So, uh, I don't know. If there's a bunch of these helmets out there, then you don't really have the leverage to ask for five grand. Unless you have the power to get a hold of them first. Unless that. I don't understand. Does Shut just not have a couple of these dead stock? Five grand? Yeah. To me, that makes no sense. How can Drew Rosenhaus or the Raiders not be able to call whoever the manufacturer is? And Like, if I called Callaway right now and been like, can I get a 2015 driver X, whatever it was called, or TaylorMade, or a bat, they have those in stock. Can you just make me one? Can you just make me one? Can you not make me one? Well, that might be a problem. Like maybe the, you know, tariffs and shit. I, I tariffs? Just use the word tariffs. I just use the word tariffs. I saw tariffs? this morning. Stock, they make the stock personalized market, shoes all the time. The stock market jumped back up because he said he wasn't gonna. He's gonna pull. He's gonna wait on the tariffs till December. It's pretty genius. Like he can just he just can say the word like eh, no tariffs and the stock market jumps. Like he can just say a word tariffs. If you freak. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the tariffs have affected. Helmet manufacturing. Shut, shut, air, max. There's probably some high school kid out there that has the helmet. It's like, wait, I, this is the fourth time someone's used this helmet on this team, but I'll sell it to AB for well, a w- Wouldn't you imagine, like, Cal or Stanford might just have, like, just a blank one? Right? Uh, Yeah, maybe. I would imagine those teams, like, I don't know if they have old. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they might. You're right. <laughs> Somebody's equipment room, just, like, in the display case where you're like, here's the helmet from the – 2017 Rose Bowl. I think you're underestimating an equipment. No, you're right. They do have in the back. No, you're absolutely right. Like, hey, yeah, this is just an old Stanford helmet from 16. It's the same. They're all using the same models, just different colors. AB clearly has a painter. He could just paint the fucking helmet. (laughs) It's really, he's going to end up with 19 of these helmets. You can't. You know, the great part is with a good diva in the NFL. Even unlike the NBA, because the NBA stories of now are so stupid. I mean, they couldn't be any dumber. That the and a good NFL drama story is still to me a little bit better, like because there is like it, it's usually interconnected to their play. Like I'm not gonna play. Like it's that's that's like Anthony Davis. I'll give him this last year. He's like I'm not. He actually said I'll keep playing. I just want to trade. They pulled him out. Like that's that to me. That's a legitimate story. I want to trade. I'll play, but I don't really want to play. Like oh, I, I like that type story, and that's what I kind of think Antonio Brown is. Like, yeah, don't my feet are fucked up, so I can't really play. But also my helmet. It's like 
I live for these type of stories. This was really, really entertaining. Now, at the end of the day, in a league, like in the NFL, there is a handful of guys that even have this in the bag, like every year, and he's just, right now, he's the clear leader in the clubhouse. If something really, really weird is going to happen, and you just close your eyes, you say, guess what the NFL player is? Right now, he's at the top of that list, right? Yeah. Of just something really, really kind of crazy. Like, the A-Rod story about getting Jack for five... Of course, A-Rod got $500,000 stolen out of a well, rental car. It, it was less entertaining, though, when you find out, like, it was a car that... It was a bunch... It was a it was like ESPN crew, and then they were going to dinner, so it might have been a bunch of people's stuff. Like, like all, maybe their backpack, a, all their backpacks yeah, in there, probably. Yeah, maybe it was a bunch of equipment, like... So I start so thinking, really, how expensive re- is your luggage? Like, how do you so, how do you even ha- add up five hundred? If you said, "Guy, I need you to run to this department store, get five hundred that you have ten, you have five hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff that fits in this car," I'd be like, how do I even do that? Well, it was jewelry buy a bunch of diamond rings. Yeah, it was jewelry. Okay, that makes sense because everyone's like, "You're telling me when a Rod comes somewhere, he gets a rental car because he does." That was the part that blew my mind. It's like. He's so the ESPN himself. crew was going to dinner. They all probably put their bags in the car in the back seat. Well, the other thing the- I said was there's no way he doesn't park at the vault, like in the VIP player parking lot. He doesn't park okay, on that- Brannon at a meter. That makes way more sense. He was just trying to be one of the guys. They all put their shit in there, and they all got jacked. So he becomes a story where the production assistants, whose laptop does mean everything to him, did get stolen, and now he's fucked. A rod jewelry, like not the end of the world. He probably had a. Bo- my guess is he had a. Bo- he's a big watch guy. He probably had like a few watches he travels with that are probably a couple hundred thousand. Expensive. But again, two twenty five thousand dollars watches only adds up to fifty thousand dollars. You think the watch like he wears on television is twenty five thousand dollars? Well, I, when he wears the uh, gold Rolex Presidential, that's a twenty five thousand dollars watch. You think it's only twenty five thousand dollars? Yeah, it's a. Tw- it's. A, I know that watch is a twenty five thousand dollars watch. Last he time, might have when a twenty-eight thousand dollars Daytona, he might have. When I was at the when I was at a Kings game this year, and we went out drinking, and with our buddy from high school, Travis, he's got a Rolex. It was like ten thousand dollars Rolex. But then we started BSing because Bobby came, Bobby Jackson. Yeah, he has and, a gold presidential. Well, yeah, and then I'm the one guy that knows Bobby Jackson, and everyone's like, "How do you know Bobby?" I like look like I knew people. Yeah, and and Travis immediately like, "Oh my, look at his watch." And that's what he kept pointing at his watch. He's like, that's the big boy. So that's the $25,000 watch, the one Bobby has. The I'm, one sure you, watch. I'm sure it can easily be more expensive than that. Because I thought Bobby had mentioned that it was a little more money than that. But not like a hundred grand. Aren't there like $100,000 Rolexes? Yeah, maybe his is more expensive than that. Because if you get it personalized, some diamonds. Well, like I'm the watch, do the like, you know the, like, watch bubble watch, the watch Bubble Watson golfs with? The pink one? Uh, well, he's got different versions. But that yeah. is like an... Eight hundred that like it's an expensive ass watch. Like, you said eight hundred thousand. Yeah, watch? I think he's worn or like five hundred thousand dollar to eight hundred thousand dollar watch. Like it's you're saying, Bubba Watson plays golf. Yeah, five hundred thousand dollar watch. Yes, he's definitely worn it in pink. I mean, I'm sure he has just different colors, but wow. So what would you? I what would you? I'd immediately sell it. Yeah, like here, here you go, kid. Flips it into the crowd. <laughs> Thanks, Bubba. Wearing it to That's school it. the next day. The irony is he's not. I mean, they just sponsor him, right? Yeah, he's not. That, I don't think he's that guy. But you take it. I've always thought. I've never really zeroed in on it. It's what's so great about it. I don't know a ton about it. I think uh, you know it's a work of art. There's probably a bunch of little moving pieces you can see inside, unique. 
but it's like an athletic. It's like an athletic watch. Well, they yeah they put it on a rubber. They do. He his has a rubber. Uh, oh, I got gotcha. you. Bracelet. But if, if if you or I bought it to wear, like in nice occasions, it would not have a rubber band, more than likely, right? Well, his version does. His so version I, does. I'm sure they sell that version. I don't know if there's. I don't really know much about that watch company. But like What's Phil, it I, um, I feel, oh, let me look up Bubble Watch and watch. But like I, I would, str- I would struggle buying a five hundred thousand dollar watch with a rubber band. I've actually that's where you draw the not, line. I've actually turned into not a big watch guy. I used to love them, but no, no, I don't even care. Richard Mill is the name of the watch company. Yeah, M I L L E. I also think like so. In, at the 2014 Masters, he wore uh, a watch designed just for him. It was 825,000. Only 50 of them were made. Jeez, it's an expensive ass watch. He won. He won the 2014 Masters. I'm pretty sure too. So it worked out. How much do you think he could sell that thing for? It was an eight hundred thousand dollar watch, and then I won the Masters, like yeah. five million, and it's one of a kind. I, I, God, that's crazy. Anyway, I bet AB has an eight hundred thousand dollar watch. I'd be shocked, honestly, if he doesn't. Whatever the most expensive possible watch you can have, he has it. I'm pretty confident on that. And I don't blame him. Like you said, he's got his house paid off, so he's. He doesn't yeah, you need could this. Argue, he can retire. But you could also argue, well, Antonio, you have all this cash over over this 10-year run that you've been in the league. It's been like one of the greatest runs in the history of the market. The interest rates were pretty low. You probably could have bought this house on a low interest rate, and instead of you know paying off $2 million house or one point five, whatever, the house is Florida, probably a little cheaper, you could have used that $300,000 that you put down, that extra, you know, 1.4 that you also paid off the house with invest in the market and turn that thing into 5 million maybe he's done both maybe that's how maybe he has he well, he's, as he said he's an entrepreneur maybe that's how he's, maybe his, that's how he's done it maybe he bought that his, watch on interest his private jet bill guy now he makes a lot of cash it's a good point but cannot be cheap cannot be cheap because he flies he because he doesn't just do private jets for a bit like he just he comes to OTAs and he goes home every weekend like he's that's an expensive deal you know, I mean, from Florida to Oakland, that's the other thing. I wonder how much more his jet price or his costs in 2019 than it has been the last several years. Like Pittsburgh is still a lot closer to Florida than fucking Napa. It's right? a lot less fuel. Yeah. Jesus. They ain't just doing it for trade. <laughs> so how long is the flight? Florida. Where's he flying to in Florida? I don't know. That's a good question. It's far. So my, my, my guess, though, really quick on, on Hard Knocks, I don't think we get much of it. Antonio, I think a fair offer for the helmet. I would start at like hundred grand. i would probably ideally like to get like twenty five. Now, like you said, the, the market, if there are a lot of helmets in the mix, someone would probably be willing to give it to him for like $1,000. So but how do you get a hold of them? You probably, a lot of people, well, but I would imagine how much a lot a of helmet, people are calling. Good, how much does a helmet cost? Just you buy it from shut. What does it cost? Four hundred bucks. I don't know. Yeah, like you go to like a team store. I think it's they're usually a couple hundred bucks. So like just just the basic, probably lowest version of a helmet. It's like anything else. I mean, uh, I would have. Don't you imagine that the Raiders are getting a lot of calls from randoms today? <laughs> they have to be right because it's just like anything. Uh, it's just mo- people see money. Like what number do you call? Money you would just you, you would ticket just Google, office. Yeah, you'd call everyone. 
you would just call people telling them they hopefully would push you somewhere. Just guessing emails, mark.davis at raiders.com. Yeah. Uh, let me try M. Davis. At Ra- Did you see, by the way, Michael Porter Jr. accidentally, or I don't know, on purpose, Snapchatted Michael's, uh, Adam Silver's cell phone number? They had like a symposium. Adam Silver spoke. They put up on the overhead projector or whatever, the PowerPoint has his email, his office number, and his cell number. And Michael Porter Jr. like took a picture of it and posted it. Maybe on who accident. Was, who who was in the symposium? Well, I don't know. I just all I saw was the photo of Adam Silver and his cell phone number is like size nine hundred font behind him on a screen. So it might have just been like young rookie players, like you can reach out to him. Could, yeah, something like that. Do you think Goodell gives out his number to players? I think if you give, I think you give out your cell, but it's not you have another cell. I think you got two numbers. So you think most players in the NFL have a contact for Roger Goodell? No. No chance, right? No. But, but I, I think he's pretty – got to be pretty easy for them to get – if they ask, if they need to get a hold of him. But I, I think a lot of guys, and this has been reported, like text with Silver. Like they have Silver's number. Well, clearly, because he's giving it to everybody. <laughs> would you do that if you were him? I mean, I would give out a number that they think is my main cell, but it's my other cell. But, but again, that's still not the point. Like they can still get a hold of you. Like I, that to me is kind of crazy. It's a little too much access? Yeah, like I, I think Adam Silver's a little over the top with that shit. I, I get your players sensitive because, like you said, if they need to talk to him, all you'd have to if if I was a Warriors player and let's say I had an issue, I wanted to talk to the league office, I want to talk to Adam Silver for whatever reason, I would go, "Hey Bob, I need to talk to Adam Silver." It'd take ten, ten minutes. We'd get a hold of Adam Silver. Do I need every player in the league to have my number? Like that's you think David Stern would do that? Fuck no. That's that's ridiculous. Now, LeBron or Steph can have my number, but I, I'm not giving my number to Caldwell Pope. It's all about and, relationship and, building with the workforce, John. I, I, the, the NBA, man, is just so over the top. It, it really is. And uh, it used to not be with David, but it, Adam is just... Yeah, God. Now he does wear his baldness well, so I'll give him that. But he's got a skinny face, so it's easier for him. All right. Uh, we talked about Niners receivers. Niners receivers are becoming one of the more interesting... Uh, topics to me here because Barrows wrote a story. Now he wasn't the only one to write a story that came out today. John Middlecoff had a Niner story that came out in the athletic today. So go read that. Um, but I'm not quoting that here. Uh, Barrows did a mailbag and somebody asked, do you think Dante Pettis has regressed? He goes on to say, I don't think Pettis has regressed. Shanahan feels he's talented enough to be a great, a great receiver and wants to put pressure on him to reach that status. That's also why Richard Sherman pushes Pettis in practice, said Richard Sherman. Quote, I know what he's capable of. If he wasn't capable of being incredibly successful and being a great player, a number one receiver in this league, then who am I to try and pull something impossible out of him? But he's definitely capable. He's beyond capable. He's incredibly talented. End quote. Here's what I think about. We talked about it a little bit the other day, John, but I was thinking about it more and reading the story about, you know, they're not starting him because they want to get the most out of him. And I've said it, I was shocked when the Niners drafted him in the second round, drafted him in the second round. Here's the opinion I'm moving forward with now, or at least that I'm developing here. We'll watch in the preseason, early part of the season. I think Jalen Hurd is a better prospect than Dante Pettis. Um, I talked to a buddy, I texted a buddy of mine who saw Baylor a bunch last year and who sees the Pac-12 a lot, and I said, am I crazy here, or do you think Hurd could be a better prospect than Pettis? Joe Klatt? No, not Joe Klatt. And he said, yes. I think Hurd's a better prospect. Charles Davis? Pettis. I texted somebody else who you know well. I said, who do you think was a better prospect coming out? They said Hurd. Bruce Feldman? So, you know a lot of people well. So Howie Roseman? I texted Andy Reid, John. 
so I don't like the idea that he's not ahead of those guys or they're making him earn it. That's great, and we talked about it. I think if those guys are good enough that they're a one and a two and he's a number three, fine. But this whole thing where it's like there's a number one receiver inside his body, I don't want to discount what Richard Sherman says because his opinion obviously matters. But I, I think there's just a chance that Jalen Hurd's just a better player, and that might be okay. Well, when you say better prospect, from a physical standpoint, it's not a question. But he – I don't really ever remember a player – like, players change positions in college. Like, when you're going to do these college games, like you can do it to Washington State or Washington or Arizona, you see these young guys, right? They get them in school. They don't even know what position they play. And before they actually become a quote-unquote player, they move positions. Like, that, that shit happens normally in college. Their redshirt year. Because a lot of people, what you don't see, the NFL can't do this. In college, like at least at Fresno State, on Sundays, all the redshirts, we would have a game. They would play. It's yeah. actually pretty smart by it Coach is. Hill. Yeah, and so every redshirt, and not just redshirts guy. If you were a if you were a redshirt freshman, like you dress on game day, but you don't play yet, you play in that game too. So like Derek's rookie year, he was the all time quarterback for that game, or I mean his freshman year when he was he wasn't he redshirted the next year, but he was the backup, but he wasn't playing. So you and you start and you mess with guys that way. I think in college. This guy was a starting running back in the SEC and was fucking good. He started as a true freshman with guys like Alvin Kamara on the roster. His second year, he ran for 1,200 yards. But then you see him in person, you're like, he doesn't look like a running back. And for whatever reason, he quit. But he didn't really quit. He just wanted to change positions. Tennessee didn't really want him to do that, so he transferred. And then he had some success because it's not like he had 10. He had 48 catches. But I still think there's a lot of unknown he was a little older of a player because he started at Tennessee, I think, in 14. And by the time he was at Baylor, that was 18. So it was like five years later. But he was a unique prospect. When you say better prospect, I think there was just a huge amount of unknown with him. There, There is no disputing. His physical characteristics, size, strength, versatility are better than Dante. Now, you'd say, I pulled up Dante's college stats. Dante's last two years at Washington on teams that were like top five, right? His, his second year, or his second to last year, 16, they went to the college football playoffs. So they were one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. He had 53 catches and averaged 15 yards a catch and had 15 touchdowns for one of the best teams in the country. That's pretty good. And the next year, a little less yards, but he had more catches, a little less touchdowns, and averaged 12 yards a catch. Like, he was really productive for two years. And he was this elite punt returner. So I texted a couple people just in the league, like, what'd you think? A lot of people that... Again, playoff, playoff teams, no big deal. They're like, yeah, we had him as a third rounder. Pick. Head-to-head sources. But I, do I think, like, if if two teams that I talk to have him as a third-round pick and the Niners take him and pick 41, that's not that egregious. Like, to me, an egregious is, I talked to three teams, they had him as a six-rounder, he goes in the first. Like, that's a problem. Or vice versa. They had him as a second, you got him in the sixth. You're like, that's a steal. I think Jalen, for the most part, I feel pretty confident if we just pulled the league, most people probably have him third round-ish range. Kind of where the Which Niners is where they got him. got him, yeah. I think you could argue Dante, if you pulled the league, probably Niners a little overdraft, but most people liked. Now, there, I think there are questions like, he's not a super tough guy. The league didn't view him this way. They thought he was soft. And what has he immediately been exposed for by these two young cats? They're not soft. Jalen attacks the ball. He blocks. Debo's just tough. 
So it's my issue with CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins. Like Kyle, just because you drafted Nick or CJ in the third round, you get credit for Nick Mullins now too. Like there are, there are equals. So if Nick Mullins becomes a much better player than CJ, no one cares. Like all that matters is you coach one of them up to become the better player. So if, if, if Debo and Jalen become really good players, like we'll easily forget Dante Pettis. And in a perfect world, and we talked about this last week or maybe earlier this week, they should balance him out a little bit because they're two tough guys. One's an enormous, big, like, red zone target. The other one's, like, a versatile, just solid receiver. And Dante's more, in theory, a speed, kind of deep threat. Because he, in college, he averaged almost 14 yards a catch guy on 163 catches. Like, I don't think you luck into that number. That's, that's pretty impressive. Now, is the Pac-12 the SEC? No. But he went against pretty good DBs every day in practice. Yeah. I mean, look, so the, the year that you read was 15 yards a catch and 15 touchdowns was John Ross was the number one receiver. And the next year it was like, all right, what now? Because now Dante is going to be the number one guy. And like you said, he was still really productive. It's harder to be as productive when you're the clearly the best receiver. I mean, it benefited John Ross that he had Dante Pettis. It goes, it's a two way street. Well, I think here's what here's what adding these two guys though do is they they put kind of a magnifying glass on Dante. Well, it's like Dante, you've been in the league now. You were productive. Like, are you good enough to hang with these guys? Because it already feels like are they passing you? But that's my like ultimate point. They're passing John, everyone. Is I feel like they sh- I feel like they're like Debo was drafted higher than he was, and I don't think it's crazy to say Jalen Hurd is a better prospect. So, yeah, they might be passing him. Now, all that said about him, that doesn't necessarily mean he's not capable of playing the best role for him, which, like we said last last pot, I think if he's your number one receiver, number three receiver, you're in pretty good shape, actually. Um, if you also have, you know, Trent Taylor back from his foot and a tight end that can catch, which they do. So... Who actually, uh, someone just texted me, he's out today, calf tightness. <laughs> That's terrifying. Uh, n- number eighty-five. That's. Uh, I-, I don't know much, but I know that they there there is no team without that guy. Like if they're gonna be good or be competitive, they like if he misses eight games or something, they fucked. Kittle. Do, yeah. do we agree on that? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's an injury you can't uh, overcome. I, I sometimes, for, but here here's the counter because it's easy to say he's a better prospect and it's just so clear how good he is. We've seen a lot of Jalen Hurd types, you know, just this physical, special body type that's super versatile, suck, in, in just throughout the NFL. Like, guys like him are drafted every year in the second and third round, and they just stink. Now, every once in a while, you just hit this home run, and maybe the Niners hit a home run, and it kind of feels that way because he's just, it's pretty natural when it jumps off. And it's not, to me, even the preseason game. The preseason game just establishes toughness. I loved him since Tennessee as a running back. So his natural instincts in space as a runner, he's used to. Like, he has shit that, like, some guys just aren't going to have. Now, can he stay healthy? There were some questions with the makeup, but I think the makeup questions were surrounded by this kind of weird tapping out at Tennessee, which I think he'd counter, which I just wanted to play a different position. They wouldn't let me, so I left. Some people viewed him as quitting. I just viewed it as changing my career. Like, I didn't want to play running back. I wasn't going to last. Right. And he had seen different guys come in and out, transferring and fail, you know, so 
Maybe he was right. Maybe he was just well, I think curve. he was right, John. He was drafted as a third-round receiver. Have so, you ever seen a running back body type like him? I never have. Not that tall. That's in the NFL. Um, because Brandon Jacobs was like 250 pounds. He yeah. Was that's a good one, but he's not the same body type. Because he looks like a receiver when you see him, right? He just looks like a big physical receiver. Yeah. Well, that's Brandon Jacobs was 6'4", 265. <laughs> so, like, he already won when he got drafted in the third. Let me ask you this. If he had had another year like the one he had as a running back, how high would he have been drafted? Yeah, I mean, probably at the earliest, third round. So he already won round. by not being a running back in the NFL and being a receiver instead. He wasn't going to get drafted any higher. It's, he it was won. already the he right won. decision. He won. The last thing you he want to be right now is a third-round running back. He was right. Well, yeah, for because you're not going to get make that much, and then no one's going to pay you after. But you'll get to play right away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you might be on a championship-level team, but they're going to run you Are we sure the that Jalen Hurd won't get some carries for the Niners? This no, year. I think he might. Yeah. It's just Which is fine. Just not 30 a game. It's better for your career. But Well, he, here's where I also think he benefits. I can never say this guy's name right. Corderell Patterson. I say it correct. Cordale. Cordero. Cordero. He is kind of a positionless player, but he's everywhere he goes. People kind of like him. They're like, God, he's, he just kind of got us something that we don't have. But it's like, what? What is he? Because he like can't really learn the route trees. But he definitely, if you get the ball in his hands in space, it's what you want. Running back's the easiest, but he's not really a running back. But he kind of is now. I think this guy has a chance to be just a much more complete player. Now, if Patterson had been a third-round pick years ago by Minnesota, I think people would be like, that's a success. Like, he's had a very successful career. But he was a first-round pick, and when the Raiders got him, it was like, you know, he kind of underachieved in Minnesota. But I, I think, and that's where we always talk about the Solomon Thomas and Bosa and just any player. You see it with Colton Miller and Carl Joseph. The round you get picked on, like one thing Jalen has going for him, I think why you're so high on him and why you're just like, God, this is better. Because you just view him like, how this guy last the third round? When you have that third round, you're like, we got George Kittle, they got him in the fifth round? That to me changes the narrative on a player. Yeah, that's true. Like part of Dante Pettis is, was anyone going to take him in the second round? How'd the Niners get him? Oh, they true. traded up for him? So it's a double whammy. Yeah. And I would say the first round is where when you're not good enough, you take heat. The top half of the second round, when you kind of underachieve, people are kind of hard on you too. Not quite first round, but people are like, God, you drafted him in the top 10 in the second round? Right. Right? Right. Yeah, so there you're is right. Some, part there of, is pressure on him. Part of, if I'm going to recognize my bias, and I like the guy coming out of college a lot, but that I was surprised when he was a second round. If we just go back to his draft day, when he got drafted, I went, whoa, I did not think that. I've spent probably way too much of my uh, young adult life over these last seven, eight years watching a just a shitload of football on Saturdays. I mean, I had the market cornered for sitting on a couch and watching football with a lot of other people on Saturdays these last six, seven years. I watched a lot of Pac-12 football. And I'd say the two guys that when they were drafted, I got a pretty good beat because I'll notice a guy, I'll text a guy, just keeping up with who's who. There'll be some Polynesian sometimes. I feel like Utah has some names that 
I just can't even spell the name, so I don't really text about it, and they ended up going in the second round. I, I wasn't really on them. But it's more just their names confuse me. I think the Saints have a guy I think that's pretty good that was drafted pretty high. Utah, they run. But if you play for Washington, you play for UCLA, if you're going to be a top 100 pick in the NFL draft, I know who you are. And to me, the two guys that were like on draft day, my jaw hit the floor because I felt like I didn't have the information, have been Colton Miller and Dante Pettis. Colton might be a little crazier because he went in the pick 15, but he's also an offensive lineman. Like, usually receivers. Like, receive, when you say in the Pac-12 for receivers, we got a pretty good idea who's going to go in the top, like, 50, 60 picks. And when a guy comes out of nowhere, and this guy didn't come out of nowhere, but no one was talking about him like a top 50 pick. Well, I'll add a guy for you, which you didn't even remember that you forgot because he hasn't played an NFL game yet. I bet when Drew Sample... Got drafted in the second round this year, the tight end from Washington by the Bengals, pick 52. Everybody went, whoa. See, and I felt like I had, and I I don't know if you went in the second or third round, but I was hearing more people blow the tight end from San Jose State, who I think went in the third round. Uh, uh, Otten or something like that? Yeah, people were just talking about him more. Was the Washington guy even productive? Uh, I don't think he caught a ton of balls. So yeah, but I I would say tight end sometimes can trick you that way because in an offense, yeah. he caught know, uh, caught twenty five balls, John. I don't think Kittle had that many catches his senior year, but he also went in the fifth round. Right, this guy went in the second round of the Bengals. Are we sure the Bengals know what they're doing? They, they they actually when they're on, like they can have a stretch of like five years. You're like, God damn, the Bengals have a good roster. You uh, yeah, it's true. Mike, you know, it's like, well, I can't, I can't, like, the, they would say, you never put me in the same breath as the Raiders, like, of acquiring players. Check our resume the last yeah. 15 years. You can't make as much fun of Mike Brown as you want to. No, it's it's really unfair, because he has established that he can find some players. Wasn't he just executive of the year a few years ago? Yeah, like, guy, they made the playoffs, like, eight of the last, like, over a nine-year stretch. Like, they were going to the playoffs every year. Now, they weren't winning any playoff games, but they were going. Uh, what about the... Uh, you 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 ready for uh, week two of uh, Mullins and uh, Beathard, the big battle? Little less less reps for them this week, John. I mean, I just I, I'm ready for the preseason to be over. It did hit me though, because it's kind of clear that we're getting two preseason games coming. What are TV networks going to do for inventory for the first half of August? Like like ESPN show ESPN has a Raider game on Thursday, then they have a Niner game on Monday. Like don't. Like, the networks don't want these preseason games to go away, right? They don't care that Nick They Mullins don't, but if the trade is two more regular season games, it's worth the trade. But what if we don't get that? Well, yeah, if we don't get that. But, like, you think we're going 16 games and only two preseason games? You think that would not be on the table? Uh, I'd be surprised. Like, I, when is the we, NFL operated like that? We'll just give extra, with nothing in return. What about an extra playoff round? So add playoff teams, that's probably worth the trade. Would you do that? Add a couple teams? Uh, Look, no, but yeah. <laughs> like, it's one of those, like, is it fair? Well, w- whatever. Is more playoff games going to be a net positive? Yes. Financially, yes. Would you? So well, you would give double Would you give double buys to your best teams? Because I don't want my 14-2 and two team losing early. Yeah, you, you would have to treat them, yeah. You give them a buy. Treat it like I, 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 I'd have to think of how the math works. Because wouldn't you say basketball by far is the easiest? Baseball and football are hard to make the playoffs. 
Like, if you make the playoffs at the end of the year in baseball or football, that is an accomplishment yes. in itself, yes. right? Yes. I'd even argue if you added a team, you'd probably have to average two teams on each side. That'd still be pretty difficult. Because there would be a lot of, like, 9 and 7 teams probably miss. Just like in baseball, we're going to have, I mean, the A's might miss this year and win 95 games. Yeah. So I think 97 is what you need. I, I'm not opposed to it just because maybe you could stretch out that week. Maybe you could have two wild card weekends. I, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I don't have like a, I don't have a, an idea really necessarily. I, I just, it does feel like these, we're not going to have four preseason games the next CBA now. And I don't know if that automatically means we're getting another regular season game or two regular season games. Now, could they do the two regular season games and give double buys? That becomes a little more complicated because that means every team has to get their one first buy within an eight game stretch, and then the second buy would be or two nine. You know, however you do it. Clearly, they have computers and algorithms they could figure it out. But you start thinking about it; it's a little more complicated, right? Just for national televised games and just some stuff. Yeah, like they they, they got it. They have a pretty good setup right now. Like in a perfect world, do they really want to mess with the setup? Probably not, but if they are going to mess with the setup, the league keeps saying we're only going to do it for more regular season games because it's more money for us all, and you got these coaches bitching and moaning about the preseason, so it's one of those easy ones you kind of give in the preseason, but I'd argue if I'm a player, like if, you, if you're if you Jared Goff, what the fuck does preseason mean to you? You don't play in the games anyway. You're saying why would you dislike it? Yeah, why yeah. would you fight, you know, unless you're getting a huge something on the back end, you know, that's... Oh, we just gave you a couple preseason games off. Jared Goff's like, I haven't played the preseason game in exactly. five years. Why do I care? But he's not alone. There, there are countless teams now where the starter doesn't really play. Yeah, well, that's my. How how much do the players really hate it? It's to me, it's more reps for the guy who's trying to make the team. Like, do you think if we got Van Der Esch on the phone right now and be like, "Did you mind playing in that game?" I bet he would say, "No, I I kind of like just getting in the in the in the game rhythm of preparing that day. I only played a series." You know, it's not like, and then I come out and I take off my helmet and someone hands me a bag of barbecue seeds and I eat a hot dog at halftime. Like, right. I'm not, I'm not fucking, I don't have a, I don't have a shovel in my hand in uh, concrete here. I, it's not that difficult. Now well, I think where it gets scary for these guys, if I do get hurt in the preseason and they put me on injury reserve, a lot of guys contracts injury reserve, you don't get paid the same. So I do lose money if I do get injured in a, I get, I'm going to get injured in a regular season game. Shit happens. I hate the feeling of getting injured in a preseason game. I could even stomach getting injured in practice, but a preseason game, that stinks. But those aren't the guys who who have the loudest voices, right? Is that really what's what people No, 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 but about? I'm just saying I'm saying losing if a starter gets hurt in a preseason game. Yeah. Which doesn't feel that it happens that much cuz their their exposure is so limited now, right? More guys get hurt in practice. Way more. <laughs> guys are dropping like flies in practice. Look at Kittle, calf Titus. That's gotta be. That's gotta be scary. They, you know, texting with someone with the Niners yesterday. Just little nicks, little things. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I understand why you're saying that because you got to stay in the right mindset. But on the outside, I don't think people think it's oh, just a bunch of little shit. <laughs> Most people, just the common casual fan, when you just say you just go to a 49er fan, like 49ers, what's the first thing they say? They're like, God, why can't we keep anyone healthy? Yeah. That to me is one of the number one conversations. You just had a normal conversation with a 49er fan. Injuries. Well, this is where, like, the tr- the reality matters. So if it's all Knicks and everyone's going to be ready to roll week one, great. It's it, 
Ford's ready to roll week one and Trent Taylor's back week two or three and Jimmy's healthy and these receivers are good and offensive line stays fine, then great. But, like, let's say this. Let's say Antonio Brown can't go week one. I don't reflect that on the Raiders at all. Like, they had nothing to do with him not being able to go, right? Now, they acquired this, and they they create, they create got a hold of this just kind of clown show. But I, I don't blame them really one iota for him burning his feet. I mean, no one's ever heard of this. So it's like, that I blame Antonio. But if It might have been the person if, operating the little machine. But if we get to week one and Bosa and D Ford are out, that's a reflection of the Niners. Uh, well, D Ford might be. I don't know that Bosa is. The D Ford, if if we think they mismanaged how much he should practice, I think if it, it, they will take heat if Nick Bosa is not ready week one, that'll just be a bad look. Yeah, again, but this is where I say bad look. It, you start to worry about is this just a perpetually hurt player? I don't know that there was anything they could have done to prevent Nick Bosa from getting hurt, though. Like, I don't think we have any evidence of that. Well, what, but this gets back to what they could have done is just taking the other guy who stays healthy. Right, but I'm just saying him being out week one, to me, is it's too early for the Niners screwed this but, up. But, but here's another curveball. He's out week one, the pass rush looks terrible, you lose. You yeah. see how it snowballs quick. It definitely snowballs quick. Now, but, you week one, he's what, out, you win, no big deal. Now, you lose all the, the pass rush. But again, what all the drama is and what the reality is, there is an important distinction. And so, uh, like, he'll, that'll be judged over the course of two, three years with him. Or at least Raider over fans, this you, year. Raider fans, you don't think I'll talk shit about the Niners? <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, other NFL headlines, John. Speaking of injuries, how about this one? Me of perpetual optimism when it comes to Andrew Luck. Love when an owner does an interview and drops... Oh, uh, yeah, you know, Andrew, Jim Irsay, Andrew's got a minor bone issue, but but uh, we believe that he'll be fine. And everyone went, uh, he's got what? I thought he had just like a hamstring pull. He's got a minor bone issue? Well, did you did What the you hell hear, does that mean? I just saw on the ticker, it's, it's, it got, it's not his Achilles. Achilles? What, Achilles? When did Achilles come up? That was a fucking calf. He, he used the word bone and Achilles. I haven't heard one sentence with either one of those words associated with Andrew Luck. I thought it was a calf pull. Like, humans pull their calf. Are we sure it's not lower? Are we sure Andrew Luck's not fucked? Because I'm not now. I, I I can't believe... I mean, I can believe, and I understand. He he thinks he's being harmless. It's hard, in fairness to Ursay, and this is on the coach and the quarterback, when you play this co- cloak and dagger routine of being super secretive... It's hard to keep up when you're not a super secretive person, like an Ursay or an owner. Like, I, I can't even follow this. If, you, if you're being told by the trainer, if you're Ursay, like, he's going to be fine, he's going to be fine. So you, let's say Ursay, assuming he's going to be fine, it's not that big a deal. He's just kind of rifting with his, probably his, his partners, with the team fucking radio station, and they're just having a conversation. He thinks he's being harmless, and I don't think it looks harmless because the fucking Colts you know, treat this injury like it's behind uh, Fort Knox. Where if you just came out and said, listen, he's got a bad calf pull. He he was a little dehydrated. He pushed himself too hard. Not ideal, but he's going to be fine. Instead, they just refuse to say anything. Andrew finally talks. Andrew refuses to touch on it. The moment one person just gets a little loose, it makes it seem like a big deal. When I, I would imagine, having not heard the audio, 
I blame I blame Andrew on this one. I really do because he's so secretive about this. You don't need to be that secretive unless you do need to be secretive if it's a terrible injury. Here's which, the quote. Here's the full quote, John. Did you read the full quote? No, I just saw it on the ticker. All right, here's the full quote. I feel really confident that he's going to find his way through this thing. Uh, I think after the Durant thing, everyone's erring on the side of caution. But quite, for, I love an owner who wades into like other sports takes. Well, guy, uh, I've seen multiple people, multiple injuries in different sports. Durant get thrown oh. in. Uh, everyone's erring on the side of caution, but quite frankly, this is not even an Achilles tendon. It's in another area. It's a bone. I'm not good with these things, but it's a uh, mo. Uh, it's a small little bone. Ryan Deem and Raheem Brock, I think, had it. The trainers told me, but he's doing very well. Very excited. He's a married man, baby on the way, and he couldn't be more excited for the season. We wish there wasn't any little tweaks at all, but as you know, these things come up, and you just got to deal with them. You know what the great part of being an owner is you can walk into your building, any person you see, the GM, a trainer, a player, an assistant coach, you can ask them whatever the fuck you want to ask them, and they're going to give you an answer. And then, if you so choose, you can share that, you can tell your buddies, you can do a radio interview and share whenever you want to share. Who is telling him, unless he has a child, like his kid or something works, they're usually, you gotta, have you watched Succession? No. The show on HBO about like this powerful dad. No. You re, like, is it once where you he's get like over, that, overbearing son? Yeah, and he has like this $10 billion, dollar, it's basically like he would be the and equivalent of And he chooses somebody like, else instead of the son. Yeah, he chooses daughter. He'd be like, he, he's like the equivalent of a guy that like started CBS or something. Like he literally owns CBS. That'd gotcha. be like the equivalent of it. But like, who in Jim Irsay's life beside his kid, who I actually think his daughter works for the Colts, she might be the one person that'd be like, dad, you're an idiot. Because Chris Ballard can't. Frank Reich can't. You're saying that, that, that Andrew Luck might not have announced the uh, pregnancy to the world yet? Well, I, anything. I, not even that, but I'm just saying he I can just, walk into the trainer's room. Think of. If, what, if, what if Luck hasn't told the world yet that he's having well, a baby? It, well, that too. But just think about all the injuries, how secretive they are in the NFL. This human can walk into the training room, ask about every human on his team, their exact injury. The trainer will give it verbatim what they really have. And if he so chooses like sharing it, he can share it. And no one can get mad at him. Except we can make fun of him, but what does that really mean? Right. Because I would imagine Chris Ballard's like, oh my God, why did he save this? He's just a wild card. You know, I mean, he's the same guy that did get pulled over with, what, about 27 large and some pills. I've always kind of enjoyed him. I don't, in yeah, I, way. I get a kick out of him. <laughs> All right, give me another headline. Uh, Dak Prescott. There is, I've talked about this a lot on my Three and Out podcast, there's an element of just bad luck to the Cowboys, how this played out. Last year, halfway through the season, in a million years when the Cowboys were 3-5, and five, no one would have ever imagined, like, Dak Prescott's going to be banging the table next year for $30 million a year. People would have laughed. Then they acquired Amari midseason, who was going to be going into his fifth-year option. Then the best player of the group, Zeke, Still has two years left on his contract. Had been in trouble. So you'd be like, well, he's going to be on his best behavior. Jerry's got his back. Then he'd get in trouble again. Would be the guy holding out. Who's on under contract the longest. Like, they just have this timing of the three of them. And it's just some... It's a little random, right? Because they hit on a fourth-round pick. Then they acquire Amari midseason, which they kind of had to do to save their season. And then it did save their season. And that's the other thing. 
Half when they acquired Amari, people were like, God, is Amari gonna get like 30 million guaranteed? And then he saves their season. And you're like, did Amari just double his money? Because <laughs> he definitely ain't signing for what he probably thought he had to sign for. And then and then Zeke just randomly holds out. I don't think anyone was really prepared for him to hold out. So there's an element of luck here that has gone against the the Cowboys. Now, Coward was talking about it this morning. Like, at the end of the day, Jerry is a little Antonio Brown when it comes to these negotiations. Like, the Patriots, the Eagles, it's just Carson Wentz has been signed. So-and-so has been signed. They just announced. Jerry just, I don't know, draws these out. Now he's kind of going back and forth with Dak. Now Dak's there, so it's not the end of the world. When you look around the NFL, though, guy, and I did this yesterday, my plan would be this. If I can't get Dak to sign, and I can't get Amari to sign, because I'd, I'd be actively trying to get Amari to sign for, like, I don't know, four years, $80 million, and I'd try to guarantee, like, $45 million, maybe $50 million, but it would be a pretty team-friendly deal. But still, he'd make some cash. If he ain't signing that worst case, I'm going to franchise Amari. Because the one thing you know, if Amari were to hit free agency, he would get overpaid. Receivers don't usually hit free agency. Sammy Watkins a couple years ago, $16 million. He would get paid. I'm franchising Amari. I'm just, see, he could just come back. He's just still around. He's on a fifth-year option. He's not a free agent. And I'm, I'm going, okay, Dak, go hit the open market and come back to us. Who's paying Dak Prescott $30 million? Who's giving Dak Prescott more money than Jimmy Garoppolo this season? Just bring up the NFL teams, guy. Miami, if Rosen is just decent, he'll stay. Maybe Cincinnati, but you're telling me the Bengals are going to give Dak Prescott $80 million? Where's he getting his money? Even some of the teams with older quarterbacks, like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, Ben's going to come back next year. He makes like $30 million. They're not doing it. I, I... Eli, well, they got Daniel Jones, all these young quarterbacks. Where, where's the team? Who are they bidding against? I, I'm okay letting Dak play the season out. Cause I don't even, God, I don't even think you need to franchise him. I don't see who's paying him. Who's paying him? What, like, to me, uh, when you look at who, what guys are making, average, that's the other part of the story that's always weird, right? It's like 40 million, 30 million a year, 40 million a year. Based on what exactly? Based on guaranteed dollars? Based on average annual value, which is somewhat fake money? Although, like you always say, if it's a quarterback, aside from injury, it's going to be real money because he's going to earn it. Um, but like Jimmy Garoppolo, if we just go average annual value's contract is like $27.5 million, right? Yeah. So if I'm Dak, I wouldn't take 30 either. But, but like, my thing is, my thing is Jimmy got $70 million guaranteed. You can tell me Kirk Cousins is fifth in the NFL – the number that really stands out to Kirk is that every penny of his deal was guaranteed. So he got $84 million. So I understand if Dak goes, well, I'm better than Kirk Cousins, even though I think they're probably similar players. I, I, I've said all along, why, you know, four, four years, $90 million, every penny guaranteed. Now he'd laugh at that because that averages like $22 million a year, right? Right. So I'm not taking $22 million a year, but I'm guaranteeing you every penny. But, a lot but, of this other money, like it's yeah, kind of but, but again, quarterbacks quarterbacks' responses are well. If I'm your guy, I'll end up staying around for all the for all well, the, the money. Well, also, but you'll get another contract. That's my issue with Dak. Remember, a cup uh, Russell's on his third contract, but his second contract, there still was some unknown. I think a lot of us were starting to lean like this guy's really good, but I, you could make the argument, well, he's kind of been carried. But they ended up paying him a lot of money. 
And then he, he exceeded it. Like he became a carrier. Part of Dak is, well, if we pay you this shitload of cash, we're going to have to get rid of some other guys. And the, the, to me, the reason this is such a big topic with Dak, if they just had a team like the Raiders or the Niners and there weren't other people to pay, it'd be easier. But I think Jerry's looking around, and Steven went on record last week in Oxnard, was like, this doesn't, I love how he said this too. He's like, uh, this doesn't go to Jerry and mind pockets. <laughs> like, he's like, this is my deal too. If we don't keep this money, it just gets spread around. So we're not, this, Jerry's not pocketing this cash. And I don't, do you think everyone knows that on this situation? Not my fans, but I'm just saying like, Dak, he's not screwing, like they're not going to pocket the money. They're using this to pay your other teammates that you are dependent on. Because you saw last year what it looked like when you only had Michael Gallup and Jason Witten was gone. You guys were terrible. You need these other guys. See Jalen Smith crushing all these people? He needs to get paid. I know what I'd do if Jalen Smith hit the open market. I'd pay him. Right. I'd know you. Uh, you think Gruden would pay him? You think the Niners would pay him? People would pay. I'm just saying I'd be surprised if Dak is demanding $40 million a year or well, if he'll it, get it. Morrison tweeted out that's bullshit. It yeah. wasn't any more close to that. And, and I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad at him if the first offer he turns down of thirty million of the first offer he gets of thirty million a year he turns down. Well, he has a legitimate argument to go. How could how could I take less than Carson Wentz? He gets hurt all the time. I've played eight more career games. I've played in three playoff games. He's played in none. And the answer is pretty simple: that we believe Carson Wentz is a higher ceiling talent than you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Are, are we paying this? Are you paid in in sports for what you've done or what we think you can do? That that to me is depends when your contract comes up, right? Well, for Dak, yeah, it's kind I mean, of a like combo of both. Buster Posey got paid for what he did, but it's not but fair. I think and they, it's not fair to compare baseball. And, but I also think they thought Posey was going to be a elite player for a long time, and yeah, he fell off yeah. a cliff. But I'm just saying, like it's 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 not fair to compare those two things. But in but football, the, you get in football, you do not get paid for what you've done. No, so if I'm paying Dak $30 million, like when the Eagles did it, they know there's some inherent risk because he's injured a lot. But they also feel comfortable that when he's on the field, he's a top-five guy. Do you think Jerry and Steven think that? Like, does Jason think that? Like, this guy could carry our team if next year, because of this, we have to lose Zeke and Jalen Smith. Do, do you think Jerry likes the sound of that? Like, well, the, the extra $10 million you're going to give Dak a year, you're going to lose these two guys. I think that makes him cringe. Yeah. Because those guys are just better. Like, I don't think Dak's that good, but he is good. He's Alex. But the great part about Alex is Alex never was making 30. Alex was always taking just solid deals. Like, you know, he's probably a little overpaid, but he's worth what he's making. Like, it was perfect. Can't Dak just sign a perfect deal? I don't think he can. <laughs> That's the hard thing with quarterbacks. Is it's... But again, Dak, you're going to expose yourself. So you're going to be super rich, but you could be a legend rich like and win. You're the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. There's an element there that a lot of other teams don't have. Like when Kirk Cousins went to Minnesota, remember he turned down a little extra money because Minnesota was better. So I'll give him a little credit there. Like Dak, that, and Kirk had to know in the back of his head, this might be the only big contract I'll ever sign. Now, I don't know if he thought that. Dak, if this all goes well in Dallas, you're going to be here for a long time. Like the, the, the owner's your GM. He's going to take care of you. When's the last time the cow? Actually, when's the last time a cowboy screwed over a player? It's not really their mo. No, they're they're riding with Sean Lee like he's a quarterback. 
you could argue that Jerry over the years have been almost too loyal, mm-hmm. couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good, like, he's the opposite of Belichick. <clears throat> so, another, did you see Jamal Adams and the sensitive chart they have? Uh, yes. <laughs> How amazing is that? That's really great. Because what do you say? Because some guys are just all up in their feelings. All up in their feelings and throw a hissy fit and you go up on the sensitive chart. Yeah. When I first saw that, my first reaction was laughter. And then it was like, how fast before people react that they're not taking sensitive people's feelings into account? Did you ever have that thought? Well, I I mean, I just thought somebody is going to be dumb about this. And then I stopped thinking about it before I got mad and just enjoyed it for what it is, which is funny. Yeah. But it's not. But it's funny slash like we don't want sensitive people. Well, John, also think about like the second thing I thought was who's their defensive coordinator? Oh yeah, <laughs> hit him in the knee, Greg Williams guy. Do you think there's uh, KOs uh, with one uh, K under it checklist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sensitive chart, <laughs> bags of money chart. Yeah, is it a sensitive chart? Boys, or is it a knockouts ba- are back. <laughs> is, it, is it a bounty chart? Is it you, you? You knock him out. That's five hundred dollars. Yeah, you're right. Like the Jets, Greg Williams should probably not have anything in writing. Well, this is where it's hard. Like you can't do your job without doing the charts. Football coaches love the charts, and uh, th- there's no doubt in my mind that there's money exchanging. Like do we all acknowledge that bounties, not bounties, like you kill him, but you knock a guy out, you get paid. Like that's bounties are a part of the vernacular the way these guys live because they naturally gamble and kind of throw around an inordinate amount of money that they probably shouldn't anyway but defensive guys they do talk a little differently like you could tell jamal the niners regret the jamal adams for uh they should have just taken jamal adams that year but that guy's a little nutty you know i mean he's i think they like him in new york because he's got a fucking might in, in a good way but you need to have a little bit of a screw loose to play defense, especially strong safety and just killing people. But I, it would I would be shocked if there were bounties going on all over the league. I wonder the most expensive bounty in the last ten years has ever been paid in the NFL, like ten grand. And a bounty could be like a pick. You think the you know? Seahawks? Well, no, that's not, no. That's not what we're talking about here. I think the Seahawks used to have them. Cam Chancellor. Come on. Guy. On the Niners. I mean, right? <laughs> Come on now. Uh, should, should you have to apologize for bounties? Should you have to apologize? Like, isn't that part of, like, I'm trying to, that's the thing about football. Like, you're well, being coached to inflict yeah, If the bounty pain. is I'm trying to knock you out of the game, it's it, it becomes a little bit of a gray area there between how the game is kind of played in an unsaid behind-the-door scene way and, like, really celebrating injuring people. But aren't I kind of trying to knock you out when I hit you? Like I said, that's where there's a fine line between, like, yeah, part of the game is if you get hurt, we're better off versus I'm just hurting you to hurt you because I'm – I don't even – I just – just for money, I don't even need. Yeah, but I'm not talking about, like, at the pile, twisting the knee. Like, that's the stuff where Greg Williams, like, you can't – you can't even argue it. But I just hit you really flush as hard as I can and try to KO you. Right, but when you start going bounties KO, now you're like, well, if I hit him in the head, the bounty's going to cover my fine. Yeah. That's where it gets a little hairy. Uh, Speaking of hairy. That's why those guys got suspended for a year. Nikhil's got turf toe? Nikhil Harry? I guess he's battling turf toe and a hammy. Ah. But 
he made some sweet catches. I get you know I read the best receiver so far in Patriot training camp is an undrafted free agent, some dude with the last name Myers. Like how how does New England do this? Like New England's wide receiver situation as we sit here today is worse than the Niners, but no one freak no one even cares. And and granted they have enough equity built up you don't even think about it. Jacoby Myers, NC State. Now granted. They throw a lot to their running backs. I mean, they got Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, Deion Lewis. They don't have a tight end. Nikhil Harry's banged up. How do they? I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And it's not even an issue. And they'll win twelve games. And Tom's claiming that he still wants to play till forty-five. They're a fucking machine, guy. Uh, Bay Bridge series. John starts up uh, Tuesday. Giants A's. They play Tuesday night. They play Wednesday during the day. Then they stop, and then they start it up again later in the week. So there's a break. It's a two-and-two. It's always been a two-and-two, or, you know, in recent years. It's been two-and-two, but this one is two and then two more in ten days in Oakland. Those are Saturday and Sunday, Saturday night and a Sunday day. Um, On – on one hand, I don't mind the two and two because it's such a good, it's such a fun series. You spread it out, but uh, I wish this was a four gamer and it didn't involve any weekday day games. Like baseball has milked everything it can out of the interleague play, and I was all for interleague play at the beginning. Whatever, I'm not mad at it. I don't care. It's fine. Keep it. Whatever. But when you get series like this that are great, and there aren't, there aren't that many of them, like Giants A's, I'd say Yankees Mets is a fantastic one. But like. Astros Rangers isn't doing anything for anybody. Uh, Angels Dodgers isn't doing anything for anybody. So you've got one of these rare. I'd love these to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I wish one of them was Sunday Night Baseball, but whatever. That's a different animal. I To me, there could be a little more you do here. A series this good shouldn't have a Wednesday 1245 game. You had a great idea. And because both teams are staying at home, right? None of these guys are sleeping in a hotel this week, correct? Correct. Well, yeah, no, they bus across. So, yeah, they could easily do. Oh, you think the A show up to call no, no, no. and I think bus? They, I think, yeah, they go back. They go. I think they go back and forth. But but I'm saying you don't think the A's drive their own cars to, this, to the AT&T? There's nowhere for them to park, huh? No, no, I think they go to the ballpark. And then they get driven by a bus. Yeah. So it's not that difficult for them. It, you had the idea before the podcast, and this this would be the coolest. Every other. One right. at Oracle. This is still weird saying Oracle. I know. Oracle, Coliseum, Oracle, Coliseum, or vice versa. Yeah. That would be sweet. And it's pretty easy. It's not very difficult, to my knowledge. Now, maybe yeah. there are some logistic stuff. I haven't heard anybody suggest time. it. It just came to me while we were talking. Uh, I'm sure it's not that crazy of an idea, so I'm sure people have thought of it before. I'm not sure what the logistical issue would be, but... Yeah, that's what I think would be cool. You go back home and home, home and home. So if you got to split it up two and two, maybe you do one and one. But if it's four, make it Oakland, San Francisco, Oakland, San Francisco. If it's two and two like it is right now, make today Oakland, tomorrow San Francisco. But don't play any of them at 12.45 on a Wednesday. I'm with you. You're a genius. I, I think that's – I don't understand why they do two and then they play all these other series and then reconvene like two weeks. I remember a couple years ago, they just had the series. They did two and two. Like, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Because yeah. you don't mind Sunday, even if it's not Sunday night. Like, Sunday day's fine. 
doesn't bother me. I think you could do Saturday. Yeah, weekend day. days are fine. Yeah. But I don't want any weekday I, days. Now, there's I, there's a few of those random two-game series get thrown in, like the Giants play one with the Diamondbacks or a two-gamer. Like, they have them randomly throughout. I hate the two-gamers because I don't even know, did you win a series if you won both games? Well, you know this better than me. Like, in basketball and football, they're very cognizant of matchups, right? And who's playing where for national television when the se- when the schedules get played out. Uh, you saw it yesterday in the NBA. Like, it's very important. Certain teams play each other certain nights, Christmas, but even just during the year, Thursday nights and different nights. Same with football. Uh, now, you can flex it a little bit, but still, like having primetime games certain times of the year, they, they, they're they very adamant about that. I don't know if baseball, do they factor in who's going to suck and who's not going to suck? Like, did they assume the Giants were going to be terrible so it wasn't that big of a deal? No, I don't, I don't think so. Does baseball even factor in who's good and who's bad? I mean, the only it, time that comes into play is when you talk about, like, national TV schedules. But that, you know. That, that's just going to kind of come naturally get, with, like, the Red Sox and Yankees, right? Yeah, those times get moved around. Like, those, So you think you think baseball just kind of throws their schedule to what just what put fit, it together? What fits. And then, you know, you ideally you do know, hey, we got to make sure we've got Yankees and Red Sox. We can't finish the schedule, and then they never play on a Sunday. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Or even, like, Yankees and Astros or – or Cardinals and Brewers. Yeah, so they, they think of all that stuff for sure. I don't know how much they think of, like, the Giants. We don't think they'll be as good next year, so let's not have them play four. I don't know what the argument of not having them play four games in a row. What do you think of a schedule be. release at 9 a.m. on August 12th? You know, I, well, it doesn't I, – it, I don't get it. I don't know why you wouldn't do it some I'm not other crunching. time. I just don't even understand. Okay. I don't understand why it had to come out so early. Like, we're so far away, and the season's going on. So it's like – what. Well, I don't get it. Season's going on, guys. Still got two months left, and then the playoffs. Like, what's the rush? I mean, I understand if the guy does finish it, he's just so excited because he has been working. What's well, like it. he tweeted? It's like I think they paid him for it. They have the right to hold it. Oh, he tweeted it out. No, no. I just I'm saying like whoever finished it can sit oh, on no. it. It's not like I, I. It makes no sense, guy. But they did it. Uh, I, I'm with you. It's kind of so. I mean, I'm actually kind of excited for these games. I'll be honest with you. A's and Giants? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be watching. A little something on them. I'll be watching. Vote hit a home run as an A, remember? Remember one of those? Remember the when when he was in his peak with the A's, he was in a stretch where he was hitting like 500. He destroyed the Giants. It was like seven for eight in a two-game stretch at AT&T. He was, he was put on a clinic, just, just fucking peppering balls all over the yard. That would be a pretty cool moment for him. Right, just seeing Bob, seeing Billy, maybe. Yeah. Keep in mind, John, he was an all-star twice, and by many measures, he's having a better year this year than he did in either of those all-star years. Seriously? Yeah, because it's, it's a career-high on base for him right now. What's that? Career uh, 346, career-high okay. batting average, career-high slugging, career-high OPS, uh, 876. He's never been over 780. Um. Now, his home runs are not a career high, but okay. He's playing at AT&T, Oracle. Uh, but he's also, like, he's played 185 games this year, has six homers. Uh, in 2015, 185 games. He's played 68 like, games. He played rookie ball, too? That's his, <laughs> his plate appearances. Uh, off days, he plays at high schools. Uh, no, but he's got 68 games, six homers. Uh, the year he had 18 homers, he played in 136 games. So he's, you know. But everything else is up. 
Maybe yeah, partly because he's staying fresher. But yeah, it looks. My my question is, if they sit him down and they were to offer him the job, would he retire and coach? I don't know. See, I want to make him the. The problem is, this is why I suggested he become player manager. He's playing too. You don't become the manager during a career year. That's why I said make him a player manager. You think if they offered him like a five year contract and they talked about the big picture, he'd think about it, or is he just too good? I don't like the, you. You the the amount of time you have to play baseball, like you have your whole career to manage, right? But it'd be like, our job is open. We want you to coach it. This is kind of a unique timing, right? For sure. It's head, actually bad timing. You could be timing. the manager for the fucking Giants. I would say let uh, uh, Raul Abanez coach the team for three years, and then Vote can take over after that or something. Well, they'll be like, well, or you can just stay on the team because we still want you. Right. So <laughs> so, so I, I don't think you walk away from your playing career if you still got something left to play. Don't you think there's a decent chance – that he ends up his coaching career at least starts with the Giants like an assistant coach. Yeah, unless his baseball career goes somewhere else, right? Unless he's got four more, five more years, and he's not all with the Giants. But don't you imagine he's on the Giants next year? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like at this pace, he's not. Next year's not his farewell season. No, the way he's playing. But he has had a major injury, so it, it's it, he's one. Yes. He's an older player that it has crossed his mind that he could never play again, right? For sure, because he's even talked about it. Is player manager even allowed anymore? Uh, I don't think there's been one. I researched this since Pete Rose. What um, year was that? It was in the 80s. Did it for a couple of years. Didn't go well in the end. <laughs> yeah, don't out. worry. I got my over-under strikeouts uh, on two. I'm going to I'm gonna take some pitches here. <laughs> Joe Torre's first year as a manager was as a player manager. Frank Robinson's first year as a manager see, was as a player manager. So you're t- telling me. it's. I mean, if doesn't that feel like 100 years ago, not 40? It was player uh, manager 70, 1977. But you real. said Pete Rose was eighty. Yeah, and it, no, in the mid like mid eighties, like. So you're telling me he dressed up every game and filled out the lineup card, coached and played. Yeah, I don't know how much he played, but he was on the twenty five man roster. But he Isn't had like a nuts? Three, Yeah, see, that's where it gets a little. I don't know how they managed the rosters then. Would that be insane if someone did that? Because if you were saying someone was going to do it, wouldn't the first guy to do it be an analytic guy? Yeah, that was my thing. Was I? And I texted Dickinson, our buddy, the other day, as I was thinking through this. Like, could you? What would be the roster advantages? The tough part would be when you've got a DA. Well, no, when you've got to deactivate your manager. Like, do you have to get them through? There, like after a certain amount, after a certain amount of time, you're trying to get them through waivers at any point. Yeah, you're saying that's like, what would scare me. Claim my manager. Like my joke was, would like the first second they get him, Billy Bean and David Forrest would claim the Giants' manager as a player. Like then what do you do? <laughs> you just you vote. So does he have to just stay? Now the roster's expanding. So do you just our 26th man is just our manager? When are the rosters expanding? Next year it'll go from 25 to 26. Wow, that's a bold move. So do you do? What's the point of 26? Why not 30? I don't think you want 30 guys. You don't need 30 guys around. It's too many guys. What's the point of 26 years extra pitcher? Yeah. So, anyway. That would be pretty cool. I'm all I wonder if vote. Maybe we should, uh, if we go to AT&T tomorrow, Papa's been texting me. Word is we might get him on the podcast very soon. Give vote a manscaped uh, lawnmower 2.0. I got a used one. (laughs) Vote, I I did trim my balls with this one, but it's a gift from Haberman Middlecoff to you. Because we want you to be the player manager of the Giants. I've enjoyed your career. I've enjoyed you uh, coming on our radio show and hopefully our podcast one day. Here's my used trimmer. 
So I'm in the midst, John, our, our listeners. Now, here, if I share this on the podcast, do we trust our listeners not to alert somebody that a joke might get played on them? Or should I share not it. share this on the podcast? Yeah, sh- share, share it. So I am in the midst of uh, uh, a brokering, a, a practical joke between Stephen Vogt and the University of Washington basketball team. And when Stephen Vogt shows up to Washington Husky basketball practice where the players are told we're going to scrimmage against each other today and we're going to have it officiated. And Stephen Vogt is the official and he just does every just just terrorizes the players. But it's they just don't over but, the top. Egregious. But they don't know that he's not a real official. They think this is an official. They bring it in. You know how you bring in referees and stuff for your practices to give you a live look that here comes Stephen Vogt to officiate a, a inner squad scrimmage. And uh, he terrorizes the players with his officiating. Would we get this on camera? I, I mean, that would be the idea, yeah. Is Mike Hopkins in on this joke? So the wheels are in motion on that. Uh, I'm not sure if Hopkins has received it yet, but I do know that the person of power there thinks that he would be receptive to it, that he'd be open to it. And Vote would clearly be all in. Vote already that, told me he's in. <laughs> I the reason I go, came, the reason I thought that would go viral for sure, right? Because Vote told me he adopted the University of Washington football team as his football team last year because he doesn't have a college football team, and he lives up there in the off season. Yeah, right? so I was thinking like, well, how can we? What where, did, can we, where do they live? Bellevue. Um, I know for a while his wife taught at uh, coach basketball at Tumwater. I, I'm not. I, I got to check a map on that. That would be pretty funny. So then I went back to him and said, I, at "The wheels are motion on this. Are you in?" And he said, "I am in." Can you have a major league manager screwing around like that though? Well, he's a player. <laughs> well, what if he's a manager? Yeah, player? you could absolutely. There, there are no rules here. From the outside, it feels like Hopkins is a little stiff. Is he? Is he loose? No, he's not stiff. Oh, he's the not. He's loose. Stiff. He's, yeah, he's you, you like talking to him? Oh, he's the best. Turns out he's pretty good coach. I heard that he did push-ups during his interview for the just job. Just stay in shape? No, just to like he was so fired up, he dropped down to the floor and did push-ups. You see Fresno State, they tweeted out yesterday all the all the coaches had to do push-ups. No, but hey, people, you can't tweet this at University of Washington basketball players. Can't yeah, they will. Surprise. So you're saying I should take Pro- this out of the podcast? No, no, it's fine. No, it does. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. You ruined the joke. Luckily, it's not like Duke or North Carolina. Like, Does anyone know who's on the Washington basketball team right now? I mean, it's all a bunch of like top 10 prospects. Yeah, so he's recruiting pretty well. Maybe I'll bleep out the name of the school, but this has like a lot of work. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Okay, Manscaped, promo code HAM, ease.com, easewellness.com, promo code HAM. Go get it. Later. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.